Welcome on into the 2-3 Podcast. I'm Cam. That is Zach. Episode 23, Why Are We Playing on ESPN News Edition? A tough one in South Bend. Really battled down the stretch, but in the end, came up short. Cam, spend a minute since I've asked. How are you feeling? Feeling very sad, Zach. This is a sad Cam moment. This is a sad 2-3 moment. This is a game that was in our hands. And then just a few crazy shots by Notre Dame. You got to give them credit, man. Those were some really tough shots that they were able to hit. And it ended up being that those were sort of like the daggers. We were, I think that we were only down two. And then they just hit some crazy sort of buzzer beating shot um, as the play clock was winding down. And that was more or less, that's all she wrote. That's where they got the momentum back. And that was kind of it for us. Yeah, it was like a rainbow three, and Samir was in his face. It was so well contested. I wouldn't have asked anything more from him, but I mean, Jimmy even said it was like a bad shot, and in a lot of ways it was. He, 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 Dwayne Goodwin made it one for six from three on the night, and that was the one he made. So credit to him, I guess, but it was a tough one to see go in after Brahma blocked the shot, like you said, late in the shot clock, and... So that's just something you got to live with. It was, it was tough to see that one go in. You know, we were so close, and that one really hurt our momentum, though. It really did. And like I said, that was more or less like we had, you know, it was like a two-point game, basically, and it was a one-possession game. And then after that hit, it was just kind of, all right, that's it. The momentum's out of the building. It belongs to Notre Dame now. They got a great win. They played very well. I think that we played very well. And if this was earlier in the season, I think that this would be a a loss that you can kind of look back pretty proudly of because we battled well and it showed that um, our team is is doing very well against very, very solid opponents. But unfortunately, like when it's this late in the year and when you are just over 500 looking at eighth in the ACC standings, it's a game that you need to win. And unfortunately, like we just came up short on it. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that because in a lot of ways, this was a quote unquote good loss. We fought hard. We we, we gave it everything we, we had. But like you say, you know, we're, we're just above 500. This was a, a must win for us. And it was just we're able to get the job done. So the loss, unfortunately, means, means a lot more, even though, you know, we did all we could do, essentially. Obviously, we, you know, a few players hope we could do more. You know, overall, there's things we could have done to win. But overall, it is a bummer. I mean, credit to Notre Dame. They've been winning close games all year long. Like, they haven't really blown anyone out all year. They've been kind of winning games by, like, you know, five, seven points. I mean, I, I know this is 10, but this this really wasn't a 10-point game. This was, you know, this came down to the last player or two and then, you know, following at the end, got it to 10 points. So credit to them, you know, they stuck stuck to the game plan and won a close game yet again. If you look at like the the whole scope of the ACC, Notre Dame really isn't a team that you would think would be doing very well. Just last year, they were 7-11 and in the conference and they were like, what, 10th in, in the standings. So this is not a team that I really thought would be contending anywhere near the top of the ACC. And they kind of came out of nowhere. They have a really, really solid core group They're uh, When they're not playing Syracuse, they're a fun team to watch. I will <laughs> say though, Zach, like you had mentioned this, 
their uh, home crowd really didn't show up the first half of this game. They were very quiet, and it seemed like they finally came alive in the second half, but in the first half, at least, they were very, very silent. Yeah, James Baham's comments from, from last game, they only showed up for 34 minutes, was you know, true for them. They were, they were quiet. <laughs> the first half, I was like, what is going on? Like, this second team in the ACC, you know, like, they're, they're having a great season record-wise, and, you know, their second team in the ACC, and it's like, why are they not more hyped? But they definitely got loud in the second half, and that was a big part of momentum. And if this was a home game and we had the the dome behind us, I think that would have impacted things differently too. Yeah, that would have probably been the difference maker. And if this was on home court, I actually would be pretty confident that we would most likely squeak out with a win in this one. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Unfortunately, it was on away turf. And I think that with these kind of losses, you kind of need to look at the good. And there were two gentlemen on the squad, the Bayheim brothers, that really did very well. And I think we got to start with with Jimmy because he was the one who just was, he was incredible. He was the difference maker and he's been the difference maker the past two games. He has been playing his mind out. I don't know what clicked with him. Maybe he's listening to the podcast, Zach. Maybe he listened to my Maybe. plea to him that like, I want him to come alive and be more aggressive because that's exactly what he's doing. He is filling in the gaps that we desperately needed, and he's been the difference maker the past two games. Yeah, he went off for 27 points, which is, which is his highest in his in a Q's jersey. His career high while playing at Cornell was 31, which is, oddly enough, Buddy's career high, too. They both have a career high of 31, which was when I discovered that, I was like, that's kind of funny. But nonetheless, <laughs> Jimmy went off he was unstoppable that man just knows the glass so well he could throw up anywhere on the glass and he just you know right perfect angle and he just he gets it in like you know almost every time I don't know what it is but he he's just a man of the glass I guess I want to see I want to ask him if that is something that he practices because it seems as though it's like almost a formula for him it doesn't matter what angle he's driving in at he will perfectly lay it up on the glass where it needs to be, whether it's high on the square, whether it's on the square or lower than the square. Like it's perfect. And I want to ask him like what goes into that? How many like hours of practice goes into that? Because when it's something that fundamental, I can imagine it's he's been working on it for years, if not his whole career. So he whenever he plays, he plays very like old school, as the commentators always say, and as everybody knows that's been watching Syracuse basketball for a hot minute. Um, he's been, he plays the game in an old school way, but he plays it with such like effortlessness. He just looks so fluid out there. And that's what we've been seeing the past two games is him actually putting all that together, being strong, driving in, being like the player where he can do everything. He is a Swiss army knife. And that's something that we had been wanting to see out of him for a while. And as Jim had mentioned, he exceeded his expectations and, I know with you, Zach, he definitely exceeded your expectations. Yeah, he's he's gone above and beyond. Like I don't think anyone truly expected this. I mean, even Jim admitted tonight in his pressure, like Cam mentioned, that he he's exceeded our expectations. His expe- expectations. He's just really proven that he's he's a great player and he can play at this level and he can you know be the leading scorer for his team. And obviously, you know, he wish you know he he could be a leading scorer and, and also win. But nonetheless, he put up a great performance, and he's got to be proud about that. It is kind of nice 
in an odd way, if you had a chance to watch his post-game presser, it, it's it's less than a minute long. So if you have a chance, you can watch it. You can see what I'm talking about. But he really takes these losses to heart, and obviously the whole team does. But even earlier in the year when he was being interviewed by a couple of media outlets, he was saying, like, everybody in the locker room is taking this very difficult, like the losing streak that they were on. And he even was not necessarily emotional about it, but he was like, you could tell that like it, it really hurt him that they were losing so much. And it's nice to see like that level of care from him. I don't know. It's just oddly satisfying when like an athlete really cares deeply about their team. I feel like us as fans, we kind of look back on the athletes and sometimes some people will say, oh, they don't care. It's clear that they don't care. But no, like these these guys actually live through these games. Like they want to win. It's not like they're out there just like having fun, just screwing around. No, they want to win. And it's nice to see Bud or Jimmy, I'm sorry, like really, really care and he puts his heart out there. Yeah, I think often people kind of forget about that. And especially when things were bad early in the season, people were just pissed and forgot that the people that were most pissed and sad over this was the players. Especially, you know, when you look at Jimmy and Buddy. Obviously, you know, the pressure they deal with game in, game out, being who they are, like this, 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 this losing where they are currently in the season, I'm sure just holds so much weight on, on them personally as like a family. Like they go, they got to go home to this. Like they got to, you know, family dinner is like, like <laughs> nothing, like everything is like, there's a cloud over, over their, over their head. I'm sure when, when they're losing and things aren't going well. So it, it's tough, but I mean, like I never doubted and I don't think you did either that these guys were not like upset. Like obviously, like they they've been upset, and whenever they lose, they're upset. So, and something that you always remind me of is, listen, if we're going down the dark path, we'll we may as well fully go down the dark path. But Buddy's draft stock has been, I guess, it hasn't really been talked about too much yet, and I think that the reason for that could be what you always tell me is. It depends on the team's success. And if the team's success isn't good and Buddy is bawling his mind out, that could hurt him in the end. Like him, the the team not doing well is actually kind of hurting his draft stock a little bit because NBA recruits so heavily look on like teams that actually make the playoffs, make March Madness. So I think for him too, like, I, I, I don't want to say if it's in the back of his mind or not, but um, that that's just something that could potentially hurt him. And even Jimmy as well, if he's looking at that too, just the success of the team or the, the lack thereof this year, just the team not doing too well, that's got to hurt them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would almost argue like, I don't know where, I don't I don't think he's showing up in, in, in mock-ups running at the moment, but I would almost argue that his his draft stock was higher after the Sweet 60 run than it is currently. I mean, he is having a better season in terms of points. He's, he's averaging like around 19 last year. I think he was averaging only like 16 or 17, at least in the conference. So he, he is up in, in points. Uh, his shooting is a little bit down, but he's also being just be asked to do so much. So his, his three-point percentage is a little bit below where you expect but, I mean, obviously he's still scoring, slowing back in the game, and he's getting better and better every year he plays at Cuse. Yeah, he is. And you and I talked about, before we pressed record, if we could theoretically have, like, if we don't make the tournament, could Buddy and Jimmy and uh, potentially Cole say, you know, let's run that back. Let's do that one more year. We got one more year of eligibility left. Let's do it. 
And I think that you had a good point. Like for Cole, definitely. I could definitely see Cole coming back in a QC uniform if he has that extra year of eligibility left. I don't see why he wouldn't. I think for Jimmy, it might be, you know, done. It might be over. But for Buddy especially, like he's the one that's definitely in question of, I don't think that we'd be able to see him in a QC uniform next year. I think this might be it, but who knows? You never, never say never, I guess. Yeah. I mean, as much as like they might be disappointed, I mean, the season's not over yet. Like there, there's still time. There's still games to be played and we'll, we'll see where, you know, things end up where, where, when things are officially over, hopefully that's not till, you know, end of April, but nonetheless, we'll see where we are, but hopefully, um, hopefully, I mean, I, I think when they reflected the career, it like, Especially, buddy, he's he had his four years. He's played four years. It's not he 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 got gypped on a year. I mean, COVID was a weird year, so maybe you could argue he, you know, deserves. I mean, he does have another year, so he could take it. We'll see. At the end of the day, I mean, regardless, though, buddy's had a great career at Syracuse. It's not over yet. Same with Jimmy. He's had a great year so far. It's not over yet, and I'm excited to see what these guys can do these last three games. It's a nice, it's, it's enough going down the, the dark path. We don't have to go down the dark, the dark path anymore. Let's, let's talk about the good, the other good that came from this game. And that was the other Bayheim brother. We didn't really talk about his performance in this There's game. There's two. Had 20. There is two. There's two. Did you know that Buddy and Jimmy and Jim are all related? I had no idea. Apparently Jim is their dad and he's also the head coach of Syracuse. So that's pretty cool. They don't talk about that enough on the broadcast. Anyways, Buddy had 20 points. The Bayheim brothers combined for 47 over 69 points. And um, it was a very good performance from Buddy. It's nice to see him getting his shot in again um, after a little bit of an off game. But it's nice to see him come alive. And I don't know. It's just nice to see him with like this consistency overall. I feel like he's been definitely the most consistent player on the floor this year by far. But um, always nice when when Buddy's able to get a 20-point performance in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's averaging like 19 points a game. And then I think everyone else is like 13. So he's 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 consistent by a high margin compared to everyone else. So you got to give credit to, to Buddy for being that number one guy and, and kind of always being there. Obviously, like last game, he struggled first half, but still was able to finish the game with 15. So he, he's a certified bucket and, and always will be. And... The fact that they combined for 47 points, like, I know you already mentioned that, but it's just insane. 47 over 69 points were Jimmy and Buddy. That is just absolutely insane. In some ways, you want to see other players get some some buckets and get some points. So that way, it's not just reliant on two people. But also, it is kind of cool to, like, see the boys, like, come alive, the brothers, and they were playing, like Jimmy especially, man, was playing his heart out. He has been the past two games. And I'll reiterate, it's so nice to see him come alive in the past couple of games, do what uh, at least I was pleading for him to do. Um, and maybe Jim was too, but he's been great. Buddy's been great. Another person who was, who was pretty good was Captain Cole. He had 11. So, you know, between those three, it's nice to see some consistency out of them and it's nice to be able to see like, okay, we can get some guaranteed points out of those three for the past, however many games. Um, It's just, it's nice to actually have some consistency, especially with the absence of Jesse because the consistency kind of came into question of like the points, 
but um, I think that we're, we're starting to kind of deal with that a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, since Jimmy and Buddy had 47, that means the rest of our team unfortunately had 22. Cam mentioned Cole had 11, so that means everyone else made up for the rest. Yeah. So that's a bit unfortunate. <laughs> we definitely needed a bit more help. I mean, I think we got to just scroll down to our, our guy, Joe. He, he really showed tonight, only only posting two points. And, you know, if he had more of a typical game, you know, 10-ish points, like that could have been the difference maker and we could have, you know, won the game. So really unfortunate to see that Joe just couldn't get going. I'm not really sure what it was. I mean, he's an emotional guy. had four, four turnovers. Well, I guess he had two, two turnovers, four assists. I'm not sure. He just couldn't get it going, and he was pretty much he was he was literally like a zero in the second half. He 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 didn't do much. Yeah, he he didn't do too much. But stepping up in his absence in a huge way was Samir, and we've always been high on Samir this entire year. But he was really what kept us in the game in the latter part of the second half. Honestly, you could say for the whole part of the second half because he just changed the dynamic of the offense and. I'm so much more comfortable with him like when the ball is in his hands and when he's able to direct traffic and everything, when he's able to kind of create opportunities for the players. And something that I've been noticing, I don't know if you've been noticing it too, but another, I guess, addition to Samir's game, obviously he's not the biggest shooter in the world, but he's been driving in so much more. He's been able to create his own like opportunities. He's been able to drive in, get the bucket. He will take contact. I don't think I saw that at the beginning of the year, but it seems like he's almost added that to his game plan. And I don't know how he was at Marquette, but it's almost like he added that to his repertoire. Yeah, I mean, he's always been good at driving the lane and getting to the basket. And the, this this last stretch here, these like five, six games, give or take, he's been finishing and finishing at a great rate. And he's like certified at least one bucket every every game with like a great take to the lane and a great bucket. And today he had he had two, ending with five points. And like you said, he was such a huge part of our, our, our final stretch there that, that kept us in it, that gave us hope, that really like I was he, he was huge. He was so big. He he just he runs a team, he makes plays, he set up with other guys, and not to mention he has such great movement on defense. And I think that's the key for him is his defensive positive compared to Joe is so much higher. Like that alone is like a reason why like he, he, he needed to be there in there at the end. I do want to kind of put you on the spot, Zach. If Samir this off season is able to add a shot, like if he's able to kind of get a consistent shot down, not to the level of like Joe or anything, but if he's able to just kind of knock down some threes every now and then, who would you kind of compare him to almost in the NBA? Hmm. Do you have someone in mind or are you just trying to make me think of a comparison here? I'm just trying to make you think of a comparison because his defense is so great. He's such a lockdown guy. And I don't remember here. I'll make it a little bit easier on us. I don't remember a Syracuse player that had the clamps that he does and is able to drive in and is able to assist like he can if you can add a shot to that, I can't compare him, honestly, to any Syracuse player. I can't think of anybody that would come to mind. 
Yeah, especially his speed. His speed is so unique. He's so quick. There's often times where he's just like he's almost too fast for our offense. He gets yeah. up, and then our, our our other three guys are still like coming up behind him. So he kind of has to you know wait at the top of key and, and set up the play. So his speed is just incredible, and I love the way he pushes the ball. It, it's it's great to see, and it just like we say time and time again, his energy on the floor is just just top notch, and I I can't speak more highly of Samira honestly. Well, we aren't a very quick offense. Even when we're all clicking, we aren't a very quick offense. And I think that I don't, I always say this. I always really say this, but like, I don't mean to put him on the spot, but like Joe is not a quick guy. He's, he's not as quick as like Samir by any means, but when Samir, you're right. When Samir has the ball and he's just trying to like get a fast break opportunity, He's too quick for our offense. Like nobody is there to like support him at all. Maybe like one person is so that way he can like kick it out. Maybe like Buddy or whatever. But like not many people are keeping pace with him just because that's not usually the, the speed of the offense is. It's usually a little bit slower. They get a play going. And for the most part, that works. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like that is the speed of the offense. That's just the reality of the situation. But he is such a quick guy. I want to say that I could compare him maybe to Tyus, but he's almost like he's got better handles than Tyus. So I'm not really sure who you compare him to. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I do think this kind of begs a question and I know this has kind of been a chatter and the Twitter veer in the Twitter verse and whatnot, but does Cy deserve more minutes? What do you think? I think that I think he does, but I will say I feel like whenever we, whenever Joe has a bad game, we always talk about like how Samir needs more minutes. Let's not forget, Joe is having a great year and he has been balling out for the majority of the year. This is just a bad game of his. He's had a couple of them, as Samir's had a couple of them. But I think overall, you need to give Samir more minutes for the reason that it just changes the pace of the offense because it's almost too predictable when Joe has the ball and he's gotten a lot better at it. He's gotten a lot better at directing traffic and creating plays, creating opportunities, whatever that a a point guard should be doing. But I think that Samir just does a better job of it and he's just a completely different player than, than Joe is. And I think just defensively too, like you need him out there for more minutes than what he's getting. Because I feel like the guards for opposing teams are getting such great looks that you almost need them in there just to disrupt the the shots that they're having. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a tough toss up, right? Because like you said, like he's good on defense, so we need him for stops. He he's like I think he's probably one of our best defenders. I I, I do know Joe Girard can be sneaky and get quite a few steals under his belt. I think he's leading our team in steals. I actually know he is. So like he he is like you know a little underrated in that. But just in terms of like ball pressure and just activity, Samir has that 100%. And just like, I just like, I feel like his presence game throughout his whole time on the court is, is felt more. But then on the other end of the court, there's an argument where, you know, scoring points. And in this game, obviously, we needed stops and points. It, and scoring isn't necessarily his strong suit when you compare it to Joe. So that's kind of like a toss up. But like in a way, it's like why, why is Samir being so pressured to to score? Obviously, like you know, replacing Joe, point guard needs to score. But obviously, Jimmy and Buddy are scoring, so I feel like that pressure kind of needs to fall on to to Cole. Obviously, we can't really put that that pressure on Brahma or Frank. So in a way, like 
between Samir and Cole, Cole's got to kind of pick up for, for Joe being out, I would say, in, in terms of tonight. I would agree with that. I think you can't really expect Samir to be scoring too much. Like his best, his best attribute is to be able to move the ball and to create opportunities for other players. So you can't rely on Samir to be getting you buckets. And I agree with you, like, especially in a game like this, you need to have Cole step it up a little bit. I'm not saying that he had a bad game by any means, but like 11 points isn't going to cut it. So when Joe is out, you need like, I almost wish that like Frank or Barama too would be able to kind of, I wish that they were Jesse. I miss Jesse a lot. (laughs) And it showed like in every single front too, like rebounds, we were heavily out rebounded. So I think too, like, I don't think that that necessarily all falls on Cole either. I think that it falls on almost everybody except for the Bayheim brothers because they showed up in this game. Um, but I get what you're saying. Like Cole needs to step it up in that case. And basically everybody else needs to step it up in that case. Yeah. It just, like, it just feels unfair. Obviously like he's replacing you know, score. So like, there's a kind of like, you know, a void of scoring to be, to be filled. And it just, it feels bad that, you know, people are saying he shouldn't, or like he's not filling that, that role. So he shouldn't, or that's why he's not getting as much money, which makes sense. Obviously tonight, Joe wasn't scoring. So there's no reason for me to be out there. He had a, you know, struggled tonight and he couldn't do much. So Samir came in and provided great, great minutes. I mean, I do think Samir creates place for people. Like he he had he had a nice assist to Brahma. He almost had that really nice assist to Brahma at the end, where he, you know he tossed it under on the basket. I mean, it wasn't going to help us win at that point. Right. Brahma fumbled it and it didn't you know didn't work. But that was a beautiful play by him. So he, he does contribute and sets people up. And it just I just think it's a little unfair that because his scoring presence is as much as Joe that's kind of like the reason why he doesn't play as much. I mean, also like when Joe is playing well, like we need him in there. So it's, it's, it's such a tough matchup. I, it's, it's obviously it's like, it's not, there's no easy answer and it's kind of like game, game, game to game. Like, you know, he's 16 tonight. Last, last game, he only had like six or seven. So I guess it depends on how Joe plays, but it's just a bummer. It has to be like that, I guess. Do you think that that's why Jim keeps Joe in there for so long? It's just because of his, scoring presence yeah I mean absolutely I mean because I mean even one could argue like if Joe was in at the end of the game here like I mean he he was zero percent from the three he didn't make a three tonight but he, he's he's a shooter he, he's he's been shooting well all year and you know just like buddy I mean buddy didn't score into OT last game so Joe could score you know the last minute of the game and that could have been that could have been the difference for us so like there's even argument that like Joe could have been in a late game and he could have scored for us. Like obviously like, you know, just cause he had, he only had two points doesn't mean he can't score again. I mean, I do think what Samir was providing to us was more than what Joe could. So I, I like yeah. that Samir stayed in for sure. Yeah. 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 I, I get what you're saying. Kind of play devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, Joe is absolutely the bigger scorer threat than Samir is right now. Yeah. So I, I, I do understand that argument, but at the same time, I am really happy that Samir was in. I'm happy that he was left in. And yes, I do. I think that he deserves more minutes. I think that it would be a wise idea to keep him in for a little bit longer. 
But also, you have to get your scorers going. Shooters do have to shoot. And when Joe can shoot, he is deadly. Like, he can easily put up 20, 25 a game. We've seen it before. So, it's not like Joe is playing badly. He's not. He's having a great year. He's doing very, very well. He's one of our best scorers. But um, in games like this, yes, Samir absolutely needs to be playing more. And I think in games going forward against really, really good opponents, I think that Samir needs to be in there in order to kind of change the pace up. Yeah, I think he's he's proven time and time again, and especially tonight and other games down the stretch. Like he had a good outing against Duke, I can recall, and obviously a few other games as well. And he's proven that, you know, he can be reliable and, you know, the changeup he, he gives to the offense and what he provides on defense. Like he's proven that he, he's a great second option. And I think he's definitely made a case for, you know, more minutes. And whenever Jim can find time and minutes for him, like I think and I hope he will give him give him time. So we'll see where that is, you know, running forward in the next three regular season games. But hopefully we see some good run from him. I had mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we were heavily out rematted into this game. It was 41 to 28. The absence of Jesse is very much felt in that lineup. We really, really miss Jesse, but also wish him a speedy recovery. Um, I guess the question becomes, Zach, is are Frank and Barama, like, are they good enough, ready enough to sort of fill in Jesse's absence, do you think? That's a tough one. I mean, it's it's a problem. Like, it feels like they're not quite ready yet, especially with like the tough matchups like tonight. Like there's like Frank was getting bullied, and Brahma. Like while he does have some flashes of prime time Brahma, and like you know he is playing great. You know he's not game ready yet, and you know he's still like I don't know. I feel like he's still like playing on like one and a half legs. He's there's times he's like moving well, but there's also times where it's like oh like. You can tell he hasn't played in two years. So it's a tough one, especially because of the tough matchups coming up. It's, I don't know. I mean, like, I, don't, I really don't know what, what the answer is. Like, I hope they are. I, I think they're, they're getting, I don't know. I don't know. In a way, it feels like Frank has regressed a little bit. He's kind of on a short lease. You know, he's rebounding here and there, but he, he hasn't improved too much that I can see, uh, you know, obviously it's still early, still holding out hope for them, but it, they're definitely, they've got a tough task and big shoes to fill. And I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but like I said, they've got really big shoes to fill. Yeah. Jim had mentioned this in his presser that Frank had a better second half and he had mentioned this and it's something that I didn't even think about until he said it. And I completely agree with him. Frank doesn't jump. He doesn't jump at all. He just kind of relies on his size and that's how he rebounds. But he really doesn't jump a lot and he's not too like aggressive. And I agree with you. I haven't seen him like improve as much as I thought that he would. I was kind of hoping for maybe it's because we saw Jesse improve so much throughout the year that we were kind of expecting Frank to do the same thing in the starting role. But I haven't seen it. And it seems like when he has like these great rebounding games, when he gets like 15 rebounds, it still feels like there's something missing in there. And there's like, he's not fully there yet. And I did not expect him to be fully there yet, but he's clearly not ready, but I just expected it to be a little bit more consistent than this. 
Yeah, it's just unfortunate that he he's kind of making Jim frustrated, and you know he, this is like, like you said in the presser, he he just said that Frank doesn't jump, and this isn't the first time Jim's mentioned that in a presser, so. I'm sure Jim gets very frustrated with Frank when he's not getting rebounds for lack of jumping or, or whatever. Like he's like extending himself. So like if you're not really paying attention, you like you kind you kind of almost don't notice it. But like if you if you do look, like he doesn't like fully jump and like grab the ball because obviously like he's you know six ten and you know taller if not even with every guy on the court. So he should be you know getting getting these rebounds. I mean he still pulled pulled down eight. So, you know, he's, it's not like he's doing, he's not doing anything, but I don't know. It's, it's just, I think it's a little too early. He's, he's being thrusted into a part time or like a really tough part of our schedule at a, a really difficult time of the season. You know, we're in crunch time. We, we, we expect and we need so much from him that it's just, it's just like a lot of pressure and, you know, not that he's up, not up for the task, but it's just, it's just a lot. And I, I guess in a way, like I don't blame him to for like not fully filling the shoes as of yet and let's recycle back or let's look back to the you know beginning of the year we didn't expect him to get any minutes at all and and now he's being thrust into like the starting role so like I kind of feel bad for him too that he's almost being thrust into this position he never asked for this but also like if you've got the opportunity you got to take it and I'm not saying that he's like not trying by any means because he he certainly is, but just a little bit more out of him is what I expected. And to be out rebounded and to have like this much of a disadvantage in second half or second chance points, 22 to six is just something that's easily not going to cut it against like these really, really good opponents and especially in the ACC tournament coming up. Yeah, I mean, that's a massive de- deficit to overcome and obviously like that's that that's another facet that's another facet of the game where you know if we we got a little more rebounds limited the offensive rebounds maybe you know that could have made us win you know obviously we had the presence of Jesse back obviously you know we can't dwell on Jesse too much obviously we we miss him but unfortunately you know he's gone for the year so yeah it's it's a massive deficit and you know we're missing we're really missing Jesse Hopefully Frank and Brahma can, you know, I don't, it, it's just tough because because the, the t- matchups coming up are just get get even tougher, and I, I I have hope, but it's it's also just a lot to ask. It is a lot to ask from our two centers, but I do want to ask you the same question that we asked last time. After the past couple games that we have seen without Jesse, who would you start? Would you start Frank or would you start Brahma? I mean, I, th- I think I think you still gotta say with Frank, just because of he's 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 younger. I don't know. Obviously, Brahma contributed more to today's game overall. I mean, Frank still played a little, a little bit more minutes. It's it's still kind of a, t- a tough matchup. I mean, I, I don't think Brahma is necessarily ready for a starting role per se. I I really don't. It, it's tough. I mean, maybe that could be interesting. Start Brahma and sub Frank in quick. I don't think Jim's in the mind to ever do that. So this is all this is all kind of just you know we're just living in fantasy land right now, which we can we can live in fantasy land. We're allowed to do that. We can you know draw pictures and do whatever we want here. So it is our podcast. All right, we'll do whatever we want. All right, um, I do want to kind of look at like just an overall picture real quick at a realistic look at our chances, our tournament chances now. 
Um, where do we stand? Like, how are we looking? And I think with the next three games, we need to win them. They are must win, not necessarily for a resume, but just to get some momentum going into the ACC tournament. Because let's think if we do win all three of these games, we beat Duke, we beat UNC, and then we beat Miami. I still personally don't think that that's enough to justify a spot in the in, in March Madness. I really don't. And then after that, if we are able to make the quarterfinals or semifinals of the ACC tournament, I think that that is actually like a warranted discussion of, okay, maybe we do deserve a spot in March Madness. But as of right now, where we stand, it's not looking too great. I'm pretty sure that everybody understands that. But just how bad is it, Zach? I think that we just need to win out these next three games and we just need to focus on that. Yeah, it's when you start looking at big picture and like, I guess this is kind of why Jim never likes to answer this question because when you start worrying about that too much, you kind of get lost in this loop of Joe Lenardi said this and this and that and this projection. And, you know, people are even talking about like Notre Dame being a bubble team right now, which I don't understand how that could be possible i mean obviously i guess their record or like their their resume isn't that great but their second acc like how could they not so i'm a little confused by that but yeah i mean ultimately we just got to focus these next three games or i guess first and foremost this next game which is duke saturday and see what we can do and you know we know we got to win games to have to have any chance to, to 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 think to to wonder about anything so I mean, it is a scary point. I mean, beyond that too, you know, we're we're two games over five hundred. Like, are we at risk for a losing season? It's a kind of scary idea to think about, and we I don't think we should dwell on that too much. But it, it is a possibility. Like, we can't ignore that, especially with these tough matchups coming up. But ultimately, we just got to focus next game, and that game is uh, our friends with of Coach K and uh, the Duke Devils. Yeah, I did want to kind of get to that just duck fook. Let's just reiterate that duck fook. But also, like, it's going to be Coach K's last game in the Dome. And I do want to kind of give him a little bit of respect before the game starts on Saturday. Coach K, what he's done to the Duke program over the years has been historic. He is a legendary coach. Um, obviously, a great friend of of Jim Beheim And... I'm not going to lie, man. I'm going to really miss him. Like when Duke wasn't good, what was it last year? It was really strange and I almost didn't like it. I want Duke to be good because I want him. I want them to be like the enemy that we have. Like we need Duke as much as they need us. So I just want to give like a little bit of respect to Coach K, what he's done for the program. Um, It's going to be a huge game on Saturday, Zach. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the Dome's going to be packed. It's going to be crazy. I mean, it is a little bummer that our momentum's a little bit falling off after this loss. But like you said, it, it's going to be it's going to be very odd next year to play Duke and Coach K to not be on the bench, to not shake Jim's hand at the beginning of the game. It's going to be odd. It, it's going to be weird. And like you said, like I don't know, as much as like you hate Duke, you 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 also respect him to a degree, a small degree, <laughs> and it's just I don't know. It, it's definitely a bummer to to see Coach K step down. Uh, I mean, obviously, like you know, it's you know his calling. Like, arguably, it's probably time, and it makes sense. 
So he'll be missed. But uh, nonetheless, Duke Saturday, Dome's going to be rocking. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. It's, it's a big game. I think I think we're going to break the record again. I mean, people are, th- are talking maybe 30,000, which is going to be uh, quite the crowd. You want to know how to turn your season around? You beat Duke, okay? It's really simple. It's really, really simple. You go in on Saturday, 6 o'clock on ESPN, and you go out there and you beat Duke. It is just that simple. You want to turn your season around? You do it right here, right now. And they, the, the team absolutely desperately needs a win. They've needed a win for a while, but right now they are like dying for a win. And I think it needs to come against Duke, Zach, again, 6 o'clock on Saturday on ESPN. It's going to be a fun one. I'm going to be really looking forward to it. What did you see in the last outing against Duke that you think that we really need to work on this one? I mean, our last outing was this kind of worst-case scenario. We didn't shoot the ball well, which as of late, we kind of struggled shooting the ball, honestly. Like today we shot 26%, and the game prior was even worse. So from from three, that is. So we definitely need to shoot the ball well to have a chance. And I think I think we'll we're back in the dome. We're gonna be in our own area. We're gonna have the fans behind us. So I think we'll find our shooting stroke, and I think that's gonna make a big difference to actually um you know be able to score and you know show 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 them off show off the shooters that we have. They didn't really see that from us our first matchup. So I think showing that we have shooters and you know scoring, I think is gonna make a huge difference. Look, when this team is clicking, they can get it going and they can beat just about anybody in the ACC and in the nation for that matter. I want to see them click. I want to see it all come together. I still feel like we haven't seen a perfect game out of this crew yet. They've come very, very close in some of the matchups, but I want to see a perfect game from them against Duke. And I think that they are capable of doing that. So again, six o'clock ESPN on Saturday, going to be a huge one. But uh, that's going to do it for us. Next time you hear from us, we'll be after the Duke game. A really, really fun one. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, until then, I always say we will see you later, Zach. But as I've gone through, uh, this is episode 23 now. I'm just realizing that. It doesn't make any sense to uh, say that. So from now on, I think I need to say you'll hear from us then. I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) Uh, We'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Let's go Cuse.